think it's just to create community through food. So really tell our stories and, and connect people and hopefully get them to think about like bigger issues as well. Cause it really does bring people together. It's universal. Everybody has to eat. But when you start looking into like, you know, food from your culture or going into different restaurants, you, you learn more about immigration. You learn more about like what it's like to be a small business owner. You learn about, you know, the other diners in that place. There's just so much you can discover. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. So today we have Eden, owner of Black Foodie. Black Foodie is a the go-to place if you want to learn about food and culture, combination with African, Caribbean community, Southern cuisine, food experiences. Um, they feature recipes, food blogs, and even host events like the popular Jalaf Wars. Eden, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Now, Let's get right into it. What made you want to start Black Foodie? Sure. Um, it was a number of things. I think this uh, a big thing was my family. Um, they loved food. They owned a restaurant. My grandma actually um, sold injera across the city, so I was always surrounded by basically Black people who love food mm-hmm. and who, who cooked and actually made you know business of it. Um, but I was proud of my cultural food. And so, you know, when I moved away for college and then ended up, you know, transferring to school in Toronto, my eyes were open up to, you know, different cuisines, Caribbean cuisine and different types of African foods. But I still didn't go um, out of my way to, like, celebrate or, like, bring friends into those spaces, even though I came from a family of, like, restaurant owners and African food entrepreneurs. Um, until I had a, a really bad experience celebrating my birthday mm-hmm. at a European restaurant where I felt that the service was racist and that we would have been never been treated the way we were um, had it not been for our skin. Mm-hmm. And that made me reflect on my own decisions, like the fact that I know some, like I grew up with people who owned restaurants and hustled and did things with food and I still didn't. Um, support those uh, people as an adult and um, I realized I had like this shame around my cultural food you know I wanted to fit in I wanted to be um, Canadian and I I didn't value it and I studied sociology so I understood concepts of like racism and class and gender but I never like checked my own assumptions about my cultural food mm-hmm. um, and so yeah because of all these reasons, I knew I wanted to change that, and I decided to start going out to different, you know, African and Caribbean um, restaurants. I um, tried to like learn different recipes, and I couldn't really find these resources online, at least not all in one place. Yeah, yeah. And that's how Black Foodie was born. Okay, okay. So, I mean, 
where you're 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 originally from east africa but where in east africa are you from well i my family is ethiopian okay and um i was actually born in canada mm-hmm. but i still had a lot of that influence uh mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i guess how much i guess you could really attribute like pretty much black foodie to your whole entire upbringing right from being surrounded by food and being surrounded by your parents who sort of own their own restaurant. Yeah, I think it was definitely that that's where my love of food came from and like my understanding of like what um the other side of the game is. It's not just, you know, like a plate of like delicious food. There's you know, there's a lot of struggle. Um mm-hmm. my family ended up selling their restaurant because it was really hard. So um I knew that like black business owners they need our support mm-hmm. um but i think it was actually like the experience on my birthday that made me think oh wow like racism exists you know in every aspect of life you mm-hmm. know including dining mm-hmm. and including the way i look at my own food like i internalize things like maybe our stuff isn't good enough um so yeah that's that's i think what really pushed me to start black foodie interesting interesting and I guess you said where you were living originally, um, there wasn't a lot of, I guess, ethnic oriented, um, restaurants and places to go to eat. Where were you, where did you, where did you live originally? So I grew up in Windsor, Ontario. Mm. And, um, in Windsor, at least when I was growing up, I, there weren't that many, um, Caribbean restaurants at all in Windsor or, African restaurants. Like my family opened like the first Ethiopian or one of the first Ethiopian restaurants. And, um, there weren't, it, it, it was a small city. So we didn't really have the kind of selection that a city like Toronto would. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing though was Detroit was across the border. Nice. So I did get like <laughs> little pockets of exposure to things as I grew older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And mm-hmm. do you think that's, I guess even with um, African Caribbean um, and you know Southern cuisine, do you think that's something that is more popularized now than it was before? And and if so, why? You know what? I'm not. I I think that like the internet has changed a lot of things. I think also immigration, like cities like Toronto, where so many, so much of the population um, was born elsewhere, or they came from families um, of immigrants. They know you know, flavor, like they have so many recipes that they brought with them. Um, and now they started, you know, fusing Canadian flavors and with or Western flavors with, you know, their ethnic foods um, and switching it up in the kitchen. So I do feel like things, I, I think at least Torontonians, their palate is a lot more adventurous. Like they're willing to try things that maybe somebody in Windsor in the 90s wouldn't have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the term, the term foodie alone, um, you know, has, has really popularized, I guess, the, you know, the exploration of trying different foods and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. That's true. So, you know, Black Foodie, your, your, your company has a pretty big following. How did you, what was the first initial step for Black Foodie? Like, what did you, literally wake up one day and you're like, okay, let me just look for this restaurant and tell people about it, post on social media. Like what was, what was the first steps like? Um, well, I was in this fellowship program at Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I 
got the chance to like learn from different entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the first steps was actually trying to come up with a name mm-hmm. <laughs> and like testing out names of the people that were taking the program with me. And then um, I wanted, I, I, you know, bought a domain name mm-hmm. and I did not know how to like build a website. So I had a friend mm-hmm. help me out. But like the first thing I needed was images. I, you know, I was like, okay, I need to show like black people eating food or cooking food. And like, there was nothing on the internet um, at this time that was not cheesy or wasn't like one black person in a group of like a sea of white people on the back. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had a photo shoot where I legit just <laughs> invited people I knew and people I didn't know to come and eat food with me. And I was like, just dress nice. <laughs> and <laughs> I ended up having like a really great time and having like different um, people from different parts of the diaspora um, all come and like talk about the types of food that they had and, and model for me for free. <laughs> nice. so that was pretty nice. And that gave me like a bank of content. And also too, um, I got to hear their ideas of like what they would want to see or what type of food they grew up on or what restaurant they prefer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You started off at Mars. Did you, do you think um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs over there that sort of, I guess, helped inspire um, what black foodie is today? Like I'm sure being surrounded by so many um, business minded individuals sort of influenced you a bit, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of the people in there, I guess I didn't get to engage with them one-on-one, but mm-hmm. in the program, we'd have some speakers come in. Um, and I guess it was more so like the mindset of the people in my fellowship program who were um, really convinced, yeah, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a cool idea. Test it out. And they were really um, uh, big on testing ideas and like, you know, failing fast and like moving forward. And that was something new to me. Like I, I, never heard of that concept of just like, yeah, just try it out. Yeah. If you fail, it's okay. You learn a lesson and you'll take that into your next business. And, and that was cool. That definitely um, inspired me to keep pushing. Okay. Okay. So um, the term foodie is, is really popularized now. Like I said, mm-hmm. do you, what's your definition of foodie of a foodie? I think it's somebody who cares about the food that they put into their body and um, the experience they have around it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like eating to live, but like living to eat, you know, like really wanting to go and have cool experiences around um, what's on their plate. Okay. Okay. That's a solid definition. Um, tell us about your best food experience. Uh, like me going into a restaurant or like a, an event that I've, you know, hosted. Um, but probably you going into a restaurant. I'd, I'd start there. Yeah. Um, oh, that's hard. So many, eh? So many good meals. Oh, okay. Like I want to, I had a really great meal kind of recently, like a month ago, um, in Ethiopia. I was visiting Ethiopia with my, um, family and learning about the food there and hadn't been to Ethiopia in like eight years. So it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard of this one restaurant. My uncle was like, yo, you have to try this. And he took it there and I was like so surprised because 
they their menu is so diverse. They had like Louisiana Creole chicken and like different. I don't know, just like a really interesting menu. Um, it wasn't like traditional Ethiopian food, although I love that too. And then I got to meet with the chef, and the chef had actually, you know, been in the south in the U.S., spent most of his life there, and ended up moving back home to Ethiopia to set up this business. And um, the food was amazing. Like it was, and I've been to Louisiana too, so I was like, "Yo, this chicken tastes way better." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that was it. Was just really cool to see, like, okay, yeah, like this Ethiopian man who who moved to the States young, came back with all these flavors and like did it his own way um, back home. And, and that was really cool to see just like how he he brought his like life basically into his, his cooking. Okay. Okay. What's the farthest place you've traveled to actually like do a review on a restaurant? Um, I mean... I guess Ethiopia now because yeah. I've gone any further than that. Yeah. But I got to go, you know, like Europe and um, been a lot of places in the U.S. and um, some in Canada. I really want to explore more Canada. I've just really been to Quebec um, and that's pretty much it outside of Ontario. So I would love to go to Nova Scotia this uh, summer and like get to learn more about Canadian black history as well as like try some of the food that they make. That's mm-hmm. something I'm really curious about. And I I haven't seen much online that showcases this. So I'd love to, you know, help other people tap into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell us about, I think one of your most popular events is, is the Jalaf Wars. Tell us about that event, like that experience with that event. How, how did it go? Well, it was, it was great. Um, so I got to, I had this idea and I knew I couldn't do it by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm definitely not Nigerian and I don't, I don't, I didn't have that palette, you know, like I, I, I was learning too. So I hit up one of my friends, Chinedu, who has a really cool event, a, a company of his own. He does more than just events, but, um, he, part of his company is doing African, you know, centered events. So we partnered up for Jellof Wars and had this competition where we brought, um, caterers and chefs uh, from different parts of West Africa to battle it out and showcase their version of jollof. And if there's somebody listening in who doesn't know about jollof rice, it's really flavorful yeah, <laughs> yeah. rice that you can find across West Africa. So um, it's cool. And the cool thing about this food event was it's not like just a, you know, a food competition. It's also a celebration of the culture. We had the music and we had, um, just like really cool vibes so people could eat great West African food, interact with um, West African food entrepreneurs and other black food entrepreneurs and have a good time in the process, you know? And I think that's what's really unique about black foodies food events is it's always um, accessible. Like anybody can come and anybody can have a good time. And it's not just like a stuffy experience where you're sitting down and, looking at a plate, this is something where you'll meet the chef, you'll, you'll give us your feedback, you know, you'll see an old friend and um, really enjoy um, food, African food the way it's supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's crazy how food, you know, just brings people together. 
Um, and -hmm. I think that's really what Jalaf Wars did. You know what I mean? So I I congratulate you on that. That was, that was a great event. Thank you. So what's next for Eden and Black Foodie? Um, that's a good question. I think I'm still, uh, you know, sorting it out. I know for myself, um, I, I definitely want to continue building a brand in food and, um, also like creating things that are a bit more permanent, you know, like I love blogging, but, um, I've always wanted to write a cookbook mm-hmm. and, um, also tell my family story at the same time. And having just come back from Ethiopia last month, it just inspired me so much. There was just, there's just so much, like I, I can't, of course, you know, say it all in this podcast, but, um, I'd love to kind of capture that in a book. And then with Black Foodie, we're definitely going to be also focusing on content more, like so creating better pieces and um, more content that really showcases the stories of food from the diaspora, Mm -hmm. um, as well as taking our events on the road. So, you know, making Injera and Chill, which is a food party, a food-focused day party that um, celebrates East African food. So taking that on the road, um, to the U.S. where there is a huge um, East African population and continuing to also cater to our Toronto audience and, and um, give them food experiences that make them like discover new things or like learn more about their culture and also gives them access to Black food entrepreneurs that could be catering their wedding or you know, doing their meal prep. I, I, I would love to see more Torontonians support Black-owned food businesses. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you, whether it be local design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to imkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Hmm, I think it's it wasn't like this always, but it's something I'm doing now. And it's just uh, whenever I'm feeling down, I just write down why I'm doing things. Like if I I see, you know, my assignments are piling up and time is running out, I'll write down in my journal, you know, why I started this and mm-hmm. why I need to keep going. And so that makes the small tasks that can become, you know, uh, boring at times <laughs> it gives you perspective and it, it you know drives you to keep going mm-hmm. so that's something i guess journaling journaling when you're feeling down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. writing things down are is very powerful actually so i'm glad you're doing that if you could have a conversation with one person living or dead who would it be and why um i could have one person only yeah oh, that's so tough but uh Right now, I think I would say the founder of Ebony. He passed away. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading his book and being so inspired by his hustle. Like he's kind of like um like Oprah before Oprah. Mm-hmm. 
and came from struggle and just started this huge like black media company and like ended up showcasing stories of like African Americans and creating a a really successful business when nobody thought he could. And this is like in a time period where we had no access, you know, so I would love to sit with him and pick his brain because I'm, you know, trying to create a media company of my own. So Mm -hmm. um, that would definitely be somebody I would choose. Okay. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Uh, I mean, it's going to sound pretty basic, but <laughs> my phone, my, my, uh, just notes on my phone, mm-hmm. um, and even like creating, uh, just alerts, but uh, that's something I'm working on. Okay. Okay. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? I feel like when you're in that journey, there's so many moments. Yeah. There's tons. There's tons. <laughs> there's tons. Um, I mean, one moment that was really like uh, hard, um, but taught me a lot was um, it wasn't directly business related, but it, it was because of starting Black Foodie. I, I wrote an article that got it went viral, and it was about why I started. So it it described how I felt um, on my birthday after like a racist food experience at a restaurant, and mm-hmm. um, I ended up getting like really bad press. Because mm-hmm. of it, so there were news articles that just really painted the story in a way that it was just not true. Mm-hmm. So it was very one-sided, and um, I received tons and tons of like hate emails and wow. um, messages, and um, and it was on like the news. So like I mean, I don't know. I never had a hater before. Mm-hmm. And I definitely never had haters <laughs> that I didn't know, um, and. Uh, like receiving that kind of criticism and also just like racist, really racist criticism, like people saying things about black people to me online and in person that really, it it just hurt a lot. And so that was a hard moment, but it taught me mm-hmm. that my words are powerful and that there's a reason why this site should exist because, um, you know, we need to support each other. Mm-hmm. There is a world out there that, you know, thinks we're not good enough or our products or our food aren't good enough or maybe black businesses aren't good enough. And I, I definitely want to challenge that. Okay. Okay. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only $100, how would you leverage that? Uh, I think it depends on what type of business. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I guess if, if I had a hundred dollars, I'd start online for sure again and, you know, use, use, um, some of those like free trials, as many free trials as I can. Yeah. Probably use somebody else's product, like as a drop shipping service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm getting really specific, but, um, that's just because I, I hear a hundred dollars so that I would think of a way to like scale it mm-hmm. where I don't need to put in a lot of money into, um, buying products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you've already mentioned this briefly, um, but which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? Uh, definitely Google, Gmail, um, Google Drive, like any Google product that I use daily. Another online service that one of the, my team members, um, put me on to was, uh, Productive. And it's just like a, 
really good way of like organizing your team and organizing your projects. Um, and so that's something I started using. But on a daily basis, really Google. Mm-hmm. Go to. Go to. So definitely the go to. Yeah. I think that's the go to for a lot of people. They I've, just make great products. Absolutely. What's the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. Best advice? Uh, I think it was, it was actually from a friend and it wasn't like business related at all, but she just was like, you know, um, just stay positive and be optimistic because like you, you won't gain anything mm-hmm. from like thinking you're going to fail from the beginning, you know, like just always believe you can do it. She said it in a much like clear, succinct way, but it, she was emphasizing the value of being optimistic mm-hmm. and like believing you're going to win. So that was really helpful. And that's something that you need to do when you're um, trying to start up. Absolutely. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. I would say, I, I think people like say, if you find something you love, like, you know, if you, you, it'll never feel like work. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I hear that phrase a lot, like, you know, just, but I, I don't think that's true. I think it's still work, regardless of whether you love it, you, you it will still feel like work at times, um, especially when you're starting up because you're filling so many roles, like you are maybe doing your own bookkeeping and you are doing your marketing and you're doing your sales and there's, there you're, you're wearing many hats. So mm-hmm. it is work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always the work that... <laughs> is the part that you're most passionate about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would say, yeah, I'd, I'd say like, just have like a more realistic, uh, vision for what your, the struggle entails. Mm-hmm. How can the purposeful story family reach out to you or follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? So they can, uh, reach out to me via Instagram. That's where I live. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm always talking about food or doing something related to food and showcasing it online. Um, Instagram is really, uh, I think, where I'm most active. But if they want to reach out, um, they can send me an email uh, through my website, blackfoodie.co, not .com, .co, .co. Um, so I think that would probably be the most useful places to start, the website or my Instagram, which is also blackfoodie.co and add in the foodie. Okay. And what is your purpose as an entrepreneur? I think it's just to create community through food. So really tell our stories and, and connect people and hopefully get them to think about like bigger issues as well. Cause like you were saying earlier, food really does bring people together. It's universal. Everybody has to eat. Um, but when you start looking into like, you know, food from your culture or going into different restaurants, you, you learn more about immigration. You learn more about like what it's like to be a small business owner. You learn about, you know, the other diners in that place. There's just so much you can discover from picking up a fork. So, or maybe in, you know, my case as an Ethiopian, not picking up the fork <laughs> with our hands. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope to bring people together to your food. Okay. Eden, I appreciate you coming on this show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. No problem. 
And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast today. And remember, live with purpose because purpose defines your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Peace. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life, and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to IamKobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Writes for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.